This is episode 74 of Cinescope, and live and die on this day. Welcome to Cinescope, where our goal is not to criticize or to assign ratings, but rather to celebrate the movies we love, exploring story, characters, music, and relevance to the world around us. I'm your host, Chad Hopkins, and joining me today is Francisco Ruiz to talk about one of our favorite films, The Grey. How are you doing tonight, Francisco? Oh, how are you doing tonight, Francisco? <laughs> I'm doing quite well, Chad. How about yourself? Uh, I've been busy, but I'm doing well. It's, it's, it's a nice kind of busy. Oh, good. Yeah, that's uh, better than the bad kind of busy, I suppose. <laughs> right. Uh, well, thank you for being on the show. You've, you're sort of recovering from a cold. We've been trying to do this episode for a couple of weeks now, and th- just things have been crazy, as we mentioned. And uh, here we are, yeah. finally. Uh, Wolves keep excited. trying to attack us. Why do yeah. we do that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but it's been a long while since you've been on the show. You were last on episode 17 talking about Crimson Tide. So for those of us who are maybe new to the show, haven't listened all the way back then, uh, how about you tell us who you are, what you do, and all that kind of stuff before we get started? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I am a podcaster as well. I do a show called The Retro Rewind Podcast with my good friend Paul Powers, where we take a fresh look at movies and video games that are 15 years or older. And uh, we talk about the things we like about them, the things we don't like when we we rewatch them and then talk about those things. And then give a reign of classic, nostalgic, or tragic, pretty much should you watch this movie or not, is essentially how that breaks down. Uh, but we have a lot of fun doing that. And uh, I, we've been doing that for about five years. So we, we love movies and games. So uh, thrilled to come in onto Cinescope with you, Chad, and actually talk about a movie that's not so old, more newer, and one that's mm-hmm. dear to my heart. So thank you for this opportunity. Of, co- of course. And thank you for introducing me to this movie, as we'll talk about here in a minute. Um, it's always nice as a podcaster, you, you get in your niche and you're recording stuff for your show. And every once in a while, it's just nice to break away and do something different. So uh, I'm glad you were able to revisit something a little bit newer than 15 years old. And uh, with that, let's just go ahead and get started. So we are talking about The Grey. It was released in the U.S. on January 27th of 2012, was directed by Joe Carnahan, who also directed Blood, Guts, Bullets, and Octane, Narc, The Hire, The Ticker, Smoke and Aces, The A-Team, and Stretch. Lots of weird movie titles in there. Um, <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Uh, it was written by Carnahan and Ian McKenzie Jeffers and was based on the short story, I believe, Ghost Walker by mm-hmm. Ian McKenzie Jeffers. And the music was by Mark Streitenfeld, who also composed the scores for A Good Year, American Gangster, Body of Lies, Robin Hood, Welcome to the Rileys, Prometheus, After the Fall, Poltergeist, and All I See Is You. And the movie stars Liam Neeson, Frank Grillo, Dermot Mulroney, Dallas Roberts, Joe Anderson, Nonzo Anozi, uh, James Badgedale, Ben Hernandez Bray, and Anne Openshaw. So, starting off, what was your first experience that you remember with this movie, Francisco? Well, after seeing uh, the trailers or the the trailer of the commercial on TV, I'm like, that. You know what? I haven't seen a actual like survival movie. I think I can't recall one where there uh, there's like men trying to survive against a beast of some sort. I know Alec Baldwin and I think Anthony Hopkins did one called the bear or something like that, where they're they're trying to survive against a bear. I never saw it. I'm interested in seeing it, but uh, so I don't have like a survival movie like that to call my own. And I've always been fascinated with wolves. So I'm like, oh, this, this looks like is a movie made for me. So uh, I asked a friend of mine if uh, he'd want to go see it. And he was like, yeah, let's go do that. So we went to the theater. Uh, we saw it. And I was, I, I was very moved by it. And it's, it's something that uh, stuck with me after. I want I, I it was one of those times where uh, we were both dads, so we didn't have time to just come home to, to go out to coffee after and talk. We had to get home to our kids and our wives and stuff. But uh, it was one of those where I wish there was time to to go somewhere and unpack the things we had just seen. Okay. Uh, well, I, I remember when this movie came out, but I didn't see it. Um, 
I why not? <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, I think th- th- this was my second year of college. Uh, oh, I was really yeah. just sort of getting into the swing of being a big movie fan, and I had mm-hmm. just started or was beginning to start my uh, movie review website at the time. Mm-hmm. And usually, if I went to see a movie, uh, it wasn't to see the typical fare that I expected of a Liam Neeson action movie at that time. Um, now, th- this was have skills, <laughs> right? Uh, I, I I just had a certain expectation or a certain. Uh, uh, assume I assumed certain things of Liam Neeson action sure. movies, and so yeah. I didn't. I would I didn't have interest. I I wasn't interested in it. Uh, I do remember getting good reviews at the time. I think, but it was just eh, no, thank you. Yeah. Um. But since then, I've seen a couple of said Liam Neeson action movies. Uh, saw Nonstop a few years ago, and I liked that. Uh, just recently, as in just yesterday, saw The Commuter, and I liked that as well. Oh, uh, cool. And I have not seen any of those, so that that's good to know that they're, they're might be worth watching. Yeah, they are. And uh, quick plug, Cinescope Today, new episode of uh, The Commuter. We, we just talked about it with Seth last night, and that should be available today as well. But anyway, Go check it out now. Yeah. <laughs> so I've warmed up to Liam Neeson and his action movies. And Liam Neeson himself is likable. I mean, the Batman movies, Schindler's List, any, anything you see him in, it's hard to not like Liam Neeson. Uh, so sure. I was reasonably interested in and excited to watch this movie for the first time since you had brought it up as something you were interested in talking about. So oh, yay. Uh, I popped it in tonight, or I say popped it in as if I'm talking about a VHS tape. I pulled it up on iTunes <laughs> on my Apple TV, <laughs> but uh, I watched it tonight it. and Francisco, I did not expect what this movie was. Uh, <laughs> I, I think back to the marketing for the film and I was like, okay, it's Liam Neeson versus wolves and for some reason i had it in my head that it was liam neeson solo versus Mm -hmm. wolves and the whole movie Mm -hmm. was basically what we got in the last five minutes is sort of how they marketed it It, that i remember at least uh like that Mm -hmm. that final shot where he's strapping the the mini bottles to his hand that was like the whole marketing and that it's such false advertising in retrospect yeah Uh, yeah totally so the poster i think is that final shot of mm -hmm. him right before yeah yeah i mean uh I didn't, I had no clue that this was like a group survival movie. I just thought it was Liam Neeson on his own, uh, fighting the wild and killing wolves and whatever it was going to be. So, uh, spoilers, it's not that, (laughs) (laughs) um, and it really is pretty emotionally affecting. There's some really heavy stuff in here. Uh, so just like talking about story in general, uh, the, well, maybe not necessarily story, but like the, the. The sequences, the plane crash sequence in this movie mm-hmm. is oh devastating. My. Oh my gosh! Yes, it's. I, I've, I, I'm sure I've seen plane crashes in movies before, and there's something so arresting about how they shot. Sort of, it's just everything's peaceful. Like you see the bumping at first, like everyone's like awake, and oh my gosh, it's so bumpy. Oh, and Otway Liam Neeson's character is trying to sleep. And then, oh, they're calm. Everything's calm. And then, and then you see the stores closed first class or whatever. I don't know why there's first class cabin on this type of jet or whatever. <laughs> but uh, anyway, she does that. And then you see the map. I think is supposed to sort of display where they are so that you have context for where they're about to crash. But then it, it fuzzes, and then it's all of a sudden a lot of j- bumping, bumping, and craziness happening, and just yeah. I, how you see the pretty much what you don't see is almost as important as what you do see and as adds to the tension i feel because you don't see like what's going on really with the plane you just see it like explode people like getting thrown back in their seats and Otway being super smart and buckling himself down in two seats and like and then you just see it spinning and you see the cabin i mean i'm go see this movie because it is amazing at least from what i remember and seeing it again it's jaw-dropping to me you just see it spinning and the land is below him and to i can so for whatever reason the way they shot this put myself in in that seat and thinking how in the world does anyone survive anything like this when a plane is going down so 
and there are a lot of sequences in this movie that sort of harken to that level of realism. There's the yeah. crash site itself afterwards and the wreckage and the dead bodies and the gore. Um, mm-hmm. And then the wolf attacks. I mean, all of this is gruesome, but it's not like it's uh, overly gratuitous yeah. or excessive or revelatory in its violence. It's just saddeningly, unfortunately realistic. And totally. yeah. that that that's what really sort of like takes your heart with a grip of ice and just like, oh, that, that, that hurts. And yeah. it, it's, it's insane. The, the level of realism brought to those sequences in particular in this film, I think mm-hmm. previously uh, the, the main flight sequence flight crash sequence that comes to mind is in flight directed by Robert Zemeckis with uh, Denzel Washington at the oh. start of the film, mm-hmm. there's a, a crash sequence or mm-hmm. sort semi crash sequence. Uh, and that was, really tense and this is just yeah. like next level beyond that it's insane <laughs> and yeah and sort of uh touching off something you just brought up the the sort of uh, realism aspect and the the hardship that these characters go through and uh i i think i don't think these are my words i think i i saw a documentary or something on this and i i think either liam neeson or the director says something to the effect of, in a lot of movies, you see people uh, get killed, but you don't often see people die. And this and only one other movie are the only movies that I ever recall actually seeing people die. And that really impacted me in a way that, yeah, most, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, I love you, Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) I'll I'll have lunch with you any day. But... (laughs) But your movies, for the most part, are like, yeah, kill, kill, just droves of people. It doesn't matter. They're just uh, cloud, collateral damage, which I think is one of your movies. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, this movie, oh my gosh, every death is just so you that you can see them dying, it, and that these characters, and we'll talk about these, I'm sure, in a bit here. But the characters are so developed that just makes their deaths even more impactful. So how this story uses death to punctuate its, uh, not milestones, but uh, its acts is, is very, very well done. And at the same time, all of this gruesome content and all of these deaths are semi-balanced with moments of levity. Like when they, they find success in their survival and they, when they kill the wolf, when, when they're reveling in their victory, it's, it's essential in sort of bringing up those low points just a little bit. So you have some room to breathe. And so you're not just trudging through the mud the entire time. And that scene where they're cooking and eating the wolf in particular, uh, is especially fun just because it's, it's their first real victory aside from surviving this plane crash. And uh, they're really sort of sticking it to the wolves in their minds. And I, I think yeah. that's really cool. And it's, it's a fun scene. Did, did you feel like scenes like that or seeing successes? Did, how, did, how did you feel like this movie was, was um, leading you in terms of did you think everyone was going to like more people were going to make it out? Or I mean, even by the end, we don't know really if, if, ever, if anyone made it out. Uh, but do you feel like you were always guessing at that? I, I certainly felt like I was. I never, I, I could not tell what was going to happen. I kept, I kept hoping, oh, well, hopefully you'll make it. Oh no, you <laughs> left. Okay, well maybe the rest of you. Oh, okay. How about you two? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in a way, it's it's got a lot of similarities to uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, where you're just knocking yeah. out the kids one by one. Not that these guys are necessarily being naughty, but uh, th- there is that parallel where we're just getting rid of one at a time. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I was expecting a certain outcome. I think mm. by the end of it, in retrospect, it all made sense that it was heading sort of to a dead end. Um, yeah. And it in it, this is such a cliche statement, but it's so true. It wasn't about the destination. It's not about where they end up. It's about the the journey to get there and the the personal growth they go on throughout. Absolutely, um, yeah. Now, just a couple smaller things story wise. I mm-hmm. love the the subtle things like the flashbacks with his wife, and oh, uh, yes. even at the very beginning, when before we get any story content whatsoever, I think he's still doing the voiceover with his letter. Uh, mm-hmm. He picks up the picture frame of his wife, and it's covered in dust. And he yeah. has to like wipe it away. And so just the fact that 
this thing is covered in dust means that there's been some sort of passage of time that he's been alone for a while and mm-hmm. he's been dealing with this struggle for a while. And so just little subtle filmmaking, things like that. Uh, it, it's, it's really masterful storytelling when you don't have to tell a show don't tell is a popular exactly. aphorism and he, he does it really well here. Yeah. And, and just one other thing I want to add to in like to that is just the opening title, and I, I never noticed this before, but this time I, I totally keyed in on it, that you see the is dead center in the frame, and then gray comes in from the side. And it made me, it, it honestly gave me, made me think of uh, the Velociraptor coming in from the side in Jurassic Park. But, <laughs> but I think it was to evoke the idea that you don't see the blizzards coming. You don't see the wolves coming, but they're coming for you. And so you're not going to see what's going to happen. But you, or you're not gonna know what to expect because it's gonna gonna come at you from the side, right? Now, now, just talking about the characters more specifically, we do have <laughs> Liam Neeson uh, at the forefront, of course. Uh, John Otway, as we learn, his name is he's known mm-hmm. as just Otway for the majority of the film, and uh, all we know at the start is that he's been through some sort of trauma in his past regarding his wife. And it sort of left him joyless. We first see him, he's in this crowded bar, people everywhere having a good time, some fights going on. It's it's a lively community. But yeah. here he is sitting at the bar by himself doing shot after shot after shot, which tells me that these shots aren't for fun, for loosening up. This is to dull pain. Yeah. And it it's painful. He's ready to say goodbye by suicide as we mm-hmm. find out shortly and uh something stops him uh the howl of a wolf maybe mm-hmm. but it, it's sad seeing the the sort of rock bottom space this character starts off on and then it leaves you questioning well what what walked him away from that what what took him back from the ledge mm-hmm. uh, so yeah it, it's a fascinating introduction to otway as a character yeah and i I mean, he's the one we follow throughout the whole thing. So I definitely am rooting for him the whole time. And it was especially fascinating to me that you have a parallel of him and John, uh, geez, Frank Grillo's character, Diaz, I believe. Yeah, Yeah, Diaz. Diaz. They're both named John. And yet John Diaz uh, starts off the movie like very like, bravado and like i can tough out through anything i got this no worries but as the movie progresses they almost trade places where at the end uh diaz is just i'm done i'm just i'm gonna sit right here enjoy this shot of nature and let the wolves come for me whereas uh john otway has decided you know what it's every every moment is worth fighting for he i forget their exact quote but he says something like those those moments in your life, like thinking of your daughter or what, those are the moments that make you want to live for the next moment, make you uh, fight harder for it. And I think him vocalizing that and him, well, I think I'm getting a bit into the theme here, but I, I do want to say that I, I like his progression as well. And, and I like that it sort of crosses with uh, Diaz's progression. It's sort of interesting that we we see Otway starting off in this rock bottom place, but then when the the crash happens or begins to happen, his basic instinct is survival right off the bat. As you mentioned, mm-hmm. he he doesn't totally. he doesn't bother with panicking or with worrying what to do. He straps himself down. He grabs an oxygen mask. He rides it out, and then when he comes to, he does what he can to help the survivors to build a fire to find food. It's in stark contrast to the man who nearly killed himself before. And so I was sort of left wondering, a lot of my notes when I watch a movie for the first time for Cinescope mm-hmm. is sort of stream of thought. So I was wondering, is yeah. this a desire to protect like he couldn't protect his wife? Because at this point, we didn't know what had happened to his wife. And so I was just, hmm, what could have happened? Is it connected to the wolves? Is that why the, the howl of a wolf stopped his suicide? I don't know. But uh, in his letter at the beginning, he said something like... Uh, he stopped doing this world any real good. So mm-hmm. I wonder if he saw this as his opportunity to change that. And it, it was his way of making up for the fact that maybe he wasn't doing good in the world, but here he can make a difference in the lives of these six to seven other men. 
Exactly. I think that that's the key is that he finally found just even, I mean, even at his normal job of protecting these oil drillers or whoever they are from the wolves, that does give him some sense of purpose. But I feel like that's him taking life. That's what he's, I almost feel like that's what he's more focused on is that he had to kill these wolves uh, as opposed to now in this situation, he has to protect lives. And and he's protecting the well, he's trying to save lives, not so much by killing wolves, just by like making sure you got like you said, the food, shelter, fire, all that. And I think that that definitely that drive definitely gives him a sense of purpose and something to live for. Uh one one thing I want to mention about his wife, I always I honestly thought the at least maybe it was just a trick, but I thought the way they he phrased it, I assumed she had left him. And he was just remembering a nice time on the bed with her before uh, she had left him. And I, I never really got that. I mean, and at the end, of course, I got, oh, she died. That's what he meant. But uh, so I, I didn't have this connection. Oh, maybe they're maybe the wolves got her or something like that. That's interesting, though, that your mind went there. I could definitely see why that would be another reason to spur him on. I, I, I just assume that she was dead um, and it comes to find out it was through cancer or through some other sort of terminal illness we get in that yeah. final sequence at the end. Uh, so in any case, he couldn't save her the way he wanted to. And so I do think that there is some some worth in saying that maybe that's what he was trying to do here was save a life when he couldn't before. Um, totally. And it it's just fascinating watching watching his character because he takes everything in stride what comes next to him is something he views as an inevitability of their situation so they better be prepared for it so they start forging weapons and they start uh forging ahead towards uh, an eventual destination they they, they mm-hmm. rather than stagnate in a single location and be hunted uh yeah. so i i it, it's cool to see this character just all of a sudden take charge uh lead the way and say this is what's going to happen to us if we don't do this this is what might happen to us if we do do this so let's do this and uh of course diaz doesn't take well (laughs) to that at first but it's nice that one of them takes charge yeah totally and and i also found it really cool that as Otway is finding a, a reason to live that almost in, in a way inspires the others to find a reason to live because as he had, as he had said before in his voiceover that this was like a, just a den of thieves he is in pretty much just people uh, at the edge of the world that uh, just drunkards and what, just whatever people that didn't mean much to many people. And here, when they're all fighting for their lives, he's he's finding a reason to live, and I can see that almost uh, coming out of them too, because I think uh, they totally get on board with collecting the wallets, and uh, Heinrich wants to say a prayer when before they leave, which is like, if these are people that are just care solely about themselves, they're not gonna. I mean, Diaz is kind of that way to start, but I think that's more of him wanting to come off as uh just yeah macho then 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 i think he probably does really care but i i think that's cool that otway's drive inspired the other men to sort of wake up from this like i'm gonna go work then i'm gonna drink and fall asleep i'm gonna go work drink fall asleep now they're actually oh we have to fight to live okay i actually want to make these if these are my last days on earth, I want to make them count for something, whether it's mourning my my brothers or if it's just helping them survive or what have you. I'm glad you mentioned the wallets because what that showed to me was that Otway has experience with death because he has respect for the dead. Uh, yeah. Probably from that experience with his wife. He, he doesn't allow Diaz to loot the bodies for swag, as he calls it, because it's disrespectful. And then uh, right after the crash happens and he makes his way back to the plane and the wreckage, uh, there's Lewinden, who is he's dying. There's nothing they can do. Oh, oh my gosh. And that scene. that scene is the first like real heart wrenching scene of the film where he says what's happening is you're dying. 
and it's okay. Take peace in that. Think of somebody you love and let that person you love uh, help you slip into this warmth that is going to take you home. Yeah. Uh, and it, that that's powerful. Um, and I, I love that he doesn't try and sugarcoat it. It's just, this is an, again, this is an inevitability. This is what is happening to you. And you're going to leave more peacefully if you just accept that and find peace in, in that. Yeah. And I wonder if that's almost why all the other, most of the other men find always so compelling as Lear because he's, he doesn't flinch in the face of death. He's right there holding Lewind and pronouncing that wrong. His hand while he's dying, being there throughout the whole thing. I think that's, that's highly compelling as someone you want to, to, in terms of someone you want to follow in a situation like that. You don't want them like chickening out on you or scared of blood or something like that. You need someone who's like solid. Right. The the wallet scene at the end of the film uh, really drove home another point that I think this movie was making. And this is theme territory as well, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> these are men who've worked together. They all know each other before they get on the flight. And so they're all on a name basis, but it's a last name basis. They are coworkers and nothing more. And so in that final moment, as he's preparing to face down the wolves and he's looking through these wallets, he's also looking through their, their photos that are in the wallets. And so he's remembering the dead through their own memories. And as Diaz was parting, he introduces himself. My name is John and Henrik's name is Pete and Mm -hmm. Otway's name is also John. And so it it's a commentary i think on how we have these people around us who we might only see as coworkers but there are more meaningful relationships there to pursue and it doesn't have to take a life or death situation in order to pursue those relationships they these people have names these people have families and they didn't find that out about each other until they were all uh on the chopping block to put it in one way uh, so I, I think that's something to sort of take away from the film as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That I, I, I kind of said better than myself, so I'm not going to, <laughs> um, the, the other main character we've hinted, we've talked about him a little bit is Diaz. Um, there are two main characters, right, characters. I think we've got other characters by name, but the ones that go mm. on the most growth are Otway and Diaz. And, um, as you mentioned earlier, Diaz is sort of just trying to act macho. He's trying to deny fear. Uh, and yeah. he's, he's questioning Otway as a way to appear macho. He says, who put you in charge? Why should we listen to you? What you're doing is getting some of us killed, so on. Well, I think that more of them... it kind of was, but... <laughs> well, that's true. Um, uh, as we unfortunately find out at the end, he was leading them straight towards the den. But I yeah. think it was just as likely, if not more likely, that would it, they would have died faster had they just stayed in one spot. Good um, point. So uh, it's a seesaw. <laughs> uh, but that that scene where uh, Otway puts him in his place at the campfire. He, oh, he, gosh, yes. He uh, throws up some sparks, uh, throws him to the ground and says, this is not the time for your macho bullcrap, <laughs> basically yeah. in in uh, more intense language, of course. But that that's what that's yes, what he says. Movie's highly colorful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to to put it mildly. Uh, but and, and right after he does that is when the wolf appears, and Otway, despite throwing down Diaz to the ground and putting him in his place, protects him because that's yeah. his job as leader is to protect these people and he is proving himself as a man who is capable of being their leader and is capable of protecting them and so diaz from this point onward he apologizes he says yep. I, I i'm sorry this this i was too much that was not the correct thing that was not the proper thing for me to do in the situation and i'm sorry and so over the course of the film, they're building these relationships. They're they're becoming more closely uh, intertwined, mm-hmm. and he has his final scene where he's injured, he's hurt his ankle, and he is tired, and he is done. And so that's his journey from the the start of the film. He's afraid of dying, and so he puts on a macho face and questions mm-hmm. Otway. But at the end of the film, he has accepted death and yeah. is making peace with death and with his surroundings. 
and mm-hmm. he goes on his own terms, which is that that's a huge difference for Diaz from the start of the film to the finish. Totally. Totally. I, I, part of me is like, ah, oh, come on, Diaz. You could, you could, you could fight or like go with Heinrich's idea of like get a litter together or something. Just keep going. Because I mean, I, I, I hear always, uh, what he said before about like, keep fighting every, every moment. He just mom makes you fight for a little bit for the next one. I'm like, come on, Diaz, you can do it. Because by this time I'm like, I I'm a Diaz fan. I want you, I want you to survive this. Uh, but I think it is, it is beautiful how he goes that he does choose. Okay. This is where it's going to be. Uh, and, and he, he goes, I, it sounds like he is a little afraid there right at the end before it cuts away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I I love that I wasn't like uh, trying to be a hindrance to the other uh, to Otway and Heinrich. Right, he wasn't being selfish. He he realized that yeah. at this point he was more a burden than anything else, and mm-hmm. that in this place of all places, with this beautiful view of the the mountainside and the frozen uh, frozen water everywhere, uh, frozen lake or river or whatever it is. Uh, it's a peaceful place and he's happy to say, okay, this is where I can say goodbye. And Mm -hmm. again, it's non-selfish here as opposed to being so selfish that he was wanting to take money and wallets and watches (laughs) off of dead bodies at the start of the film. So it's huge for him. It's huge. And he's making amends for his wrongs from before. Um, Totally. Now, are there any other characters you wanted to talk about at all? Uh, Those are the main two as far as growth goes, but all the characters Uh are great here. Yeah, I I just want to say I really loved uh, the story that uh, Talgut tells about his daughter running the mm-hmm. hair on his head, and uh, and even though it's, I think I knew what was happening when I saw that for the first time when you when you see like he falls from this tree and you see his daughter over him, I feel like oh I I think I know what's happening, but just to have that that beautiful image of a daughter just um uh or someone close to you just being very loving and just very uh, kind to you to be totally um contrasted with being ripped apart by wolves there's just something beautifully horrific about that and i can't quite put my finger on why uh that is so vivid to me I think it's just that I, I probably because I hope if I'm if when I die I can it can be at peace regardless of what's happening around me that I can have peace during that time. So maybe that's what it is. Well, I like its depiction of death being something that is warm and embracing, and you're welcomed by the people you love. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is uh, the last film we talked about on Cinescope was Les Misérables, and the same thing happens with uh, mm. with Jean Valjean at the end of the film, he's welcomed by Fantine, who Mm -hmm. is this woman whose daughter he's been looking after for all these years due to a promise he made. Uh, So I I like that notion of the people we love and the people who love us are the ones who take us on to the next plane of existence. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, speaking of religious talk, we do have Henrik, uh, and he is the the stalwart Christian. He's the man who wants to say the prayer. He's the one who is trying to convince the others like it, it, it's faith it's just does, it's faith does he say he's a christian it's Hen- i don't recall that i think henrik does uh it's the the scene in the forest where they're all all sharing their stories and diaz says you know that that that, that fairy tale stuff i'm an atheist and always says yeah i'm an atheist too although i wish i could believe in something and i think it's hendrick who's saying well i have faith it's faith guys come on yeah no no yeah yes and uh, so i'm just not I'm splitting hairs because I'm just trying to say, I, I remember him saying, yeah, it's about faith. Okay. Yeah. Right? He doesn't explicitly say Christian. That, yeah. That. Okay. I'm just, I'm keeping you on your toes, Chad, here at right, yeah, I gotcha. midnight, <laughs> oh, dark 30, your time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, both of us are Christians. And so mm-hmm. I, uh, I identified with his character and trying to find totally. peace, an exterior peace in their situation of hopelessness. And mm. then you have Otway at the end of the film oh, gosh, who yes. calls out to God and says, hey, show me something. Give me something to believe in. 
Because if you don't, then I'm just going to go at this on my own. Um, now, I don't know if there's any discussion there to be had between you and me, but... Uh, it- well, I, I'd i be happy to discuss that. And I, you know what, it, I never really had an answer to that until I watched it this time uh, to outweighs... I don't think it's fair to call it a tantrum because what he's gone through, it's it's warranted how he mm-hmm. feels. Uh, just having lost everyone and and then not getting anything except a blank sky, just a gray sky, and that's all you get always. Sorry. That that I mean, that calls deep into something of me as wanting to see that calls deep into something of me of wanting to see uh God show up in my times of hardship. I mean, recently I had a daughter who was in the hospital and I kept saying, God, you can, I know you can make her well. Why aren't you making her well? She could come home right now. Why, why aren't you doing this? And that wasn't God's timing. It was, it was very much, a, a always like, I want it now, not later. Right. And, um, but for, for my daughter, who's fine now, by the way, uh, it was just later. And, what I find fascinating, though, this time watching, I'm like, uh, Otway, you boob, you've survived a plane crash. You've survived wolves. Uh, you survived committing suicide. You've been saved several times now. You've been given signs. You're just blind to them is really what I it amounts to me. I mean, maybe that's a bit cold of me to say. But I think, in retrospect, you can see, yeah, you've you've actually, you've and you've had life this whole time. Each breath you have is God showing up. I mean, that's my belief, anyway. So, well, I mean, even the the very very brief end credit scene, there's a potential <laughs> yes, there he survived go. that wolf attack. So, I mean, uh-huh. I, I think that's a valid point. This is a man who's gone through. Uh, traumatic event after traumatic event with his wife and then with the plane crash and with losing his entire party that he saw himself responsible for. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's still the potential he lived through it all. So uh, in a way you could see that as a curse, but I I think that life is a gift and maybe if he is still alive there at the end and that final, that final shot, which I mean, personally, I don't think we would have gotten a final shot if it was supposed to be implied that he was dead, but (laughs) Because uh, I think we could have drawn our own conclusions otherwise, but exactly, good point. Yes, but uh, it just—I think that's important. Faith isn't something that you need proof of, as much as you exactly. may want it. Faith is faith. It—it's yeah, believing yeah. in something that isn't there. That's why Polar Express is one of my favorite movies, is because it drives this message home. Sometimes seeing is believing. Sometimes the most re- real things in lives are those things we can't see, and uh, exactly. Anyways, that, that this isn't that's not one of the the main themes of this movie, but it was just something I thought was worth talking about a little bit, oh, considering totally. our background. Yes, um, thank you for mentioning it. I, I was going to <laughs> call it out at some point, so thank you for giving me the opportunity. Uh huh. Well, let's talk about music a little bit uh, by Mark Streitenfeld. Do you have any thoughts on his score for this film? My one of my favorite scores. Oh my gosh. I I know it's like simple themes and I'm I'm not a music person. Chad, you could speak to this way better than I could, but uh, I I just love the simplicity of the piano and uh, I think violin or uh, some stringed instrument and just, uh, I feel like there's two or three main uh, motifs, maybe is the right word for it. Uh, But the the way they're used and how sometimes you're you're hearing it and like when he's reading the letter and it's the dunna dunna and then and then all of a sudden oh someone interrupts him and like the music's just cut off I felt like that was a really I I've, I don't recall movies using music in that way to punctuate so much uh, a character's internal thoughts being interrupted and I thought that was really striking I, I really liked it in that way. Uh, but but the way they built they use the 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 music to build up Otway's relationship with his father, uh, how it, almost like it was both hopeful and sad, or or it was sad, but there were good memories too. It had sort of touches of both in that, and then him uh, being ready to live and fight on this day. I thought when the music amped up at the end there is just 
great. And so I, I, I love this soundtrack. I'm glad you've got some experience with it because my experience is watching the film today. Okay. Um, something that stood out to me in the opening sequence was there's a single sustained string that lasts like the first five minutes. It's just this ongoing single pitch that oh, really? I, I, don't, I don't know if it, it's, I don't know if it's completely that. nonstop, but it it's like a tension. Oh, the other Liam Neeson movie. Yeah. Yeah. The other it's, it's, it's all connected, <laughs> but it, it's like, uh, it, it's a sort of tension or something. I'm not entirely sure what its purpose was, but it was present throughout the very beginning of the film, uh, with the more tender music, uh, signifying his wife, signifying his relationship to his father, the poem, uh, his suicide, mm-hmm. all that kind of music playing underneath or on top of, that mm-hmm. sustained note. So I thought that was really interesting. Hmm. And the whole score itself was this pleasant mix, like the film was, of horror, of action, and of drama. Uh, I, I think this, among, among the other Liam Neeson action movies I've seen, this one stands out as having a little bit more depth uh, because it's not oh, just totally. like on a single location, uh, find the bad guy, kill the bad guy, <laughs> you win. Um, exactly. So I, I, I like that this sort of bridges genres a little bit more than just let's let's mess some people up on a train (laughs) um so i I like i like the blend of music and then Mm -hmm. the the final just particular moment i wanted to mention was uh in the den at the end of the film as he is Mm -hmm. uh looking through the wallets and as we get the flashback that reveals his wife's illness uh the piano is playing and it is Mm -hmm. beautiful piano it is so Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. pleasant and so peaceful as he is in possibly potentially the final moments of his life. So yeah, uh, that was just a standout moment for me. Totally. Love that part too. Uh, well, moving on to our final section, relevance takeaways. What are, what's uh, a theme that you take away from this movie? Well, I've mentioned it several times here, but uh, just that living almost it's it's kind of weird to say, but almost living for living's sake is is worth living for. <laughs> Let me try that, saying that a different way. It, having life is precious and valuable, and it's worth you fighting for other people to have life. And I think it's so precious that you giving up your life to sacrifice yourself for others is and this is something we actually talked about on my podcast recently when we discussed Disney's Hercules is uh we we have a movie and theology component to the podcast uh and something we mentioned is what makes a hero and so we talked about uh does uh Hercules giving up uh or Hercules uh decide to give up his powers to save Meg is that worth the destruction that Hayes is going to cause on all of uh Greece and like do you value the one over the many or what have you and uh what makes a hero etc so something that we can't that we came to is sacrifice is something that really signifies a hero and i think that that i got lost in my thoughts but I'll say, suffice it to say that life is really, really valuable. And I love that this movie punctuates that these men are, even, even, let me say it this way. The title of the short story is Ghost Walkers because I think all these men are walking through life as ghosts. They're not really living. It's not until they come face to face with their mortality that they actually start living because then they see oh, this thing that I've been wasting doing nothing, actually, I don't have all the time in the world. I have to do something with it. So what am I going to do with it now? Now the chips are down. Now is where I have to decide how I'm going to actually live my life. So I think I'll I'll, I'll leave it there for now. <laughs> I think that's a valuable point. Uh, I, I didn't write down... Uh sacrifice as a theme, but you're absolutely right. That's very prominent in this movie. Um, looking at Otway at the beginning, after the, the crash, uh, when he sees the corpse that is being eaten by a wolf, he charges mm-hmm. at it rather than yeah. let it sort of be. 
uh, yeah. because it's the decent thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does the same thing when uh, a couple er- other characters are attacked by wolves. Instead of running, fend for yourself, let's escape while they're distracted. Let's go try and save our friend. Let's try and save his body at least. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And and so it's it's not even self sacrifice to save another life. It's just self sacrifice in the way of decency. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I like that point. Um, but then just the whole notion of facing fears, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's wolves or whether it's heights, as uh, Hendrix oh, talks. No, it's not Hendrix. Uh, which is it? it's uh, Tal- Talget. Uh, Talget. Yeah, that's right. Talget's the one who is afraid of heights, and he, he faces it and. Even just the the over encompassing fear of death, uh, all these characters have to face what they're afraid of, and mm. throughout the film, Otway is also quoting this poem that his dad wrote when he was a kid, uh, that ends with "Live and die on this day," mm-hmm. and I think that just means live your life in a way that you have no regrets about what you do going forward. Uh, mm-hmm. Face your fears, uh, take risks do things outside of your comfort zone, not necessarily things that are going to get you in danger, but things that are going to give you a fulfilling life. And uh, I think that this film talks on that as well. Yeah. And, and sort of struggling back to just the sacrifice thing. I think as Christians, the whole idea of live and die on this day, that can have a very existential uh, tone to it. But I think there's also a very uh, Christian uh, mindset to take that, quote as is that live and die to yourself this day because really we want to die to ourselves and live more in christ so i I, it's interesting how i love how movies that uh, you you bring yourself to it and take out of it as you will but i love that you can that that art allows us to do to uh examine and self-explore and explore and yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I love movies like this because of stuff like that. And uh, sort of the last thing for me, I suppose, is I think it's fascinating that Otway is a character who wanted to have faith. And we already talked about this. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. if you want to have faith, then just have faith. You know, mm-hmm. uh, put something out there. Say that you are uh, uncertain about something, but just trust that there is something out there that is going to go right for you. Uh, There's not really much else to say beyond that because we already had this faith discussion, but I just thought it was something worth pointing out that if you want faith, then have faith. It's not not more complicated than that. It doesn't need to be more complicated than that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Just because you have faith doesn't mean you can't have doubts. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, a pastor of mine once phrased it that, uh, doubt is the sea that faith, uh, swims in or floats in or something like that, because yeah, you can't, you can't really just be doubtless. That's not possible. You, right. There's always going to be doubt. That's okay. God's big enough for your doubts. Right. Well, any final thoughts about this film before we close off? Oh man. Uh, well, I, if you if you think that this is just I mean we've sort of we've already mentioned this but if you're still not sure uh, I don't know is this just like they're just trying to survive and so what the, okay so you're saying one guy might make it that doesn't sound very uplifting why would I watch this or man I I want to see them like take out all the wolves or if you want this to be more of an action movie, then you're probably not going to get that. If you're actually looking for characters that you can connect with and want to be moved by and are actually affected by when they die or the actions they take, I would say you need to see this movie. Um, I, I, I haven't had my, my wife hasn't seen it. So I don't know if I'd be curious if um, women are as affected by it as men. I, I'm, I would assume that it has more of a intrinsic impact on me as a man than it would for a woman, but maybe, maybe not. Maybe it impacts women just as much. So, but for me as a man, it definitely impacts me on a very deep level. It has the same sort of lone survivor quality of this, this brotherhood of people who are just mm-hmm. 
facing all the odds and they're stacked against them and not all of them make it out, but, uh, it's about their relationships with each other. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, with that, I think that is the end of the official 75th episode of Cinescope. Thank you so much, Francisco, for dealing with all the scheduling troubles and sickness <laughs> and all the things we've been struggling with the past week and a half. But uh, we've done it. We, we did it. We're back together. <laughs> Indeed. Thank you so much, Chad. It was awesome being on Cinescope once again. Uh, contact for the show, facebook.com slash Cinescope podcast and at Cinescope pod on Twitter please consider going over to iTunes or the Apple podcast app on your iOS device to rate review and or subscribe. And if you have feedback or ideas, you can email the Cinescope podcast at gmail.com. And that includes if you're interested in co-hosting like Francisco did just now. Now, Francisco, where can people find you, your work and your other content online? Uh, you can find me personally at FXRUIZX on Twitter and Instagram. And you can, uh, I, you can also find my podcast, which is the main stuff I do, on at retrorewindpodcast.com. Uh, we have about 100 by the time, yeah, we have 140 episodes now by the time this is out. And uh, lots of movies and uh, a handful of video games we've covered there. We've also, something I've also started recently is live streaming. So if you're a fan of uh, retro games or even want to watch us record the podcast live, Check us out at twitch.tv slash retro rewind pod. Okay. And the best place to find me is at Chadadada on Twitter. That is C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. Also facebook.com slash chad.hopkins. Don't forget about my other podcast, An American Workplace, where we talk about NBC's The Office. And today we just released our episode covering the season finale of season three. And you can find that where podcasts can be found and on the website workplacepodcast.com. And then, as I mentioned earlier, there's the spinoff of this show called Cinescope Today, which is located in the same feed. Uh, episode two should now be available where we talk about The Commuter. So you get two Liam Neeson movie discussions in one week. You are welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find that, like I said, in the same feed. And uh, all the show notes and contact information can be found at the website, thecinescopepodcast.com. And that is all for this week. Thanks again, Francisco. It's been a blast. Thank you, Chad. And thank you, everyone, for listening to episode 75. I'm Chad Hopkins. This was Cinescope, and we'll be back next week with episode 76. Have fun and celebrate movies. Mm-hmm.